Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Bible study. And so I hope your Bibles are right there and you can say with me, this is my Bible. I believe it's God's word. I believe every word is true. And it's all that I need. You know, we've left uh, Jacob and Laban and the whole crew back in Genesis uh, 30 and 31. And and really, Jacob was quite bold. You know, I think he had this speech building up inside of him, and and he kind of let Laban have it. I mean, he knew Laban had been in the wrong. And, and so now they have gone their separate ways, and they've agreed to disagree. And now we're, we're kind of seeing Laban going back home to his place. And now um, in chapter 32, Jacob also went on his way. So now he has been told by God to go back to the promised land and to go back. And actually, um, he was told to at least the way I kind of looked at it, he was told to go back to Bethel, go back to where um, you you um, had that experience with me, and and let's just you know again bring bring it all back there. So um, kind of keep that in mind. So now he he knows though by going back, um, he is going to have to confront Esau, and. I went back to the 27th chapter and and kind of went over how how Jacob left and in Genesis 27 verse 41 listen to this Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him and he said to himself the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So I would say that that he's he's a little little angry, and he is holding a grudge. And so Rebecca, of course, got Jacob out of there. And well, that's that's how it ended. And that, I mean, that's the way it was last time he he experienced Esau and that mess. So now he's going to return, and he hasn't heard, hasn't heard anything. So he has no way of knowing how Esau is going to accept him or how this reunion will be. Well, God understood. God God understood and he understands. He understands when we have to face the unknown. And and look at how in verse in verse one already it said Jacob also went on his way and the angels of God met him. That is something you don't want to pass over quickly. How God put his angels out there and he could be reassured he could feel that protection and you know maybe you know maybe in in my studying I saw from one place that it could be and this is true when you start separating yourself from the world you start seeing him more clearly and when you make choices to want God's way, God's will, more than your own, 
I, th- I really, I know from my own experience, you start, you start seeing him, you start seeing how he's, he's been involved all the time, how, how details are not coincidences, that, that God has been preparing the way. But here Jacob sees angels of God. And I heard a story. It's from Billy Graham's book about angels. And he was telling this story about John Patton and his wife, who were missionaries in the New um, Hebrides Islands. And they worked with, with natives. And one night, one night, he, he saw that the hostile natives were encircling his home. And it looked pretty hopeless. And all he and his wife could do was to pray. And they prayed all night. And when they woke up the next morning, I don't know, how, they probably didn't sleep much. But anyway, when it, when it um, got light, he noticed that all of these um, hostile natives were gone. Every one of them was gone. And later on, the chief of the tribe came to know Christ. I mean, can you imagine that couple stays there even when they've had this close encounter and but their faith was so strong that they stayed. And the chief of the tribe came to know Christ as his Savior. And so John asked him one day, what about that one night when, when you all were encircling our house? And the man remembered it. He remembered it quite vividly. And he said, oh, we were going to kill you. We were out to get you and to get you your presence away from us. And he said, but we didn't dare because all night we saw hundreds of big men in shining garments holding, holding swords. And we were way too afraid to try to come against that and to attack. The numbers were, were, were too far against us. Now, you know, you can think what you want, but how God does send angels at the right time. I mean, I know I've met an angel unaware. I can... I can honestly tell you this happened as sure as I'm speaking to you right now. I was in a little church in Grand Rapids, just a, just a little, little church. And so naturally, being so small, I could see everyone clearly. And I noticed during the concert there was this, this um, older man who was Oh, he was just in rags, and and he sat on the on the edge of a pew, right in the center, right along the center aisle. It was so visible; I could see him, and I th- my my heart went out to him because he just looked so so poor and so um. Well, it was sad, and afterwards. Um, he came up to me. He, he's 
scuffed with his oh his shoes had had holes in them and he he just kind of scuffed and he came up to me and uh, he had coins in his hand and he couldn't talk and I he had coins in his hand and he put these coins in my hand and then pointed to the the tape table and so I said did you did you want a tape and he nodded and I said well you go and take one you are welcome to one and I said but here's your money back and he oh he was he was so persistent no no money back and so I I got that I got that message and I didn't even look to see what the money was. I just kept the coins in my hand. And and so I went with him to the tape table and and I was telling I was going I was telling him you can pick anyone you want. And then right then right at that moment a, a little girl came running up and grabbed my legs. And and I, I couldn't help but look down and and she was just, you know, I, I went down and, and loved on her, you know, and talked to her for just I mean not even thirty seconds. And then I went back up to help the old gentleman and he was gone. And I'm thinking, well, where did he go to? I mean, I know he doesn't move fast. So I went to the, the door of the church and looked all around, and, and he wasn't around. And I just thought, where, you know, I wasn't even thinking too much at that time, but I thought, I didn't think I spent that much time with that little girl. And he, anyway, he was gone. Well, on that tape table, he had laid a piece of paper, obviously, it was from him. It was tattered. It was, um, it was right. He must put it right underneath some of the a pile, and I saw that paper, and I thought I remembered that he had had something else in his hand, and so I, I just figured this was from him, and I opened up the paper and. I looked at it, and it said, keep up God's work and see to it that they never miss the grace of God. I looked at that, and I thought, my word, this is a message. This is a message. You know, here's this little church. Um, It was so loud and clear to me that the Lord wanted to encourage me to, no matter what the size, no matter what the invitation was, whatever, make sure that wherever you go, that you always bring gospel. You always make sure people know that they have a chance to come to know Jesus, that whether they're old or young or rich or poor, or, or it was so loud and clear to me and then I opened my hand up because I hadn't, I had just wasn't even thinking about it. I was holding those coins in my hand. And 
45 cents. 35 cents. But I think, too, it was a test to make sure that, that I never let money take over from, from the, the ministry that God would provide. And this story, this happened, this happened so many years ago. And yet it came clear, so clear, in fact, because it's kind of what Jacob was going through here, too. Sometimes we get tested to see if we're willing to give it all for him. That we don't let the things of this world get in the way. So do I believe I saw an angel that morning? I do. I think it was an angel, unaware at the time. But the message was so clear that the Lord absolutely wanted me to know that I had to keep making sure that I never got caught in the world's ways or that my message would never get complicated. So just had to tell you that. But anyway, here we have this message from God through his angels here. And yet you can see Jacob as still, even though we know he's saved from Bethel experience, he needs to learn how to give it all and surrender it all and let God be in charge of his life. He's still maneuvering. He's still trying to come up with ways to fix the problem. So Jacob sent messengers ahead of him in his, to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, and he instructed them, this is what you are to say to my master Esau. Do you, do you see his terms? He's calling Esau his master. He will call himself Esau's servant. So he, he is he's afraid. And he is going to try to, um, well, here we'll go on. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys and sheep and goats and men servants and maid servants. Now I am sending this message to you, my Lord, calls of my Lord, that I may find favor in your eyes. Don't you think this is going to be some way, human way, for Jacob to say, I am sorry, but... When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. I can't even imagine what now went through Jacob's mind. Like, I'm trying to say I'm sorry. I know I was wrong. I know with Laban I was right. I stood up for it. But I know with Esau, I did him wrong. I got it coming. And he's probably anticipating what Esau is like because Esau, you know, he wanted the blood. 
wasn't. He wanted things. He wanted to be important. He wanted to be first. So Jacob is trying to think, okay, if I give him all these things, but he never asked God what to do. After what God has just showed him, he's still trying to work it out himself. And then, and then 400 men are with Esau. He, he automatically thought the worst. In great fear, verse 7, and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and the herds and the camels as well. He thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. He's figuring it out. So oh, he's thinking, I'll just divide the two groups. Then, then, Jacob prayed. You know, you know what I thought? I thought, when all else fails, then pray. Have you ever had that? Or when, when you just couldn't come up with any more things to fix it, then you pray. Boy, we got to learn how to pray first. Go to God first. Trust his promise and his provisions and his spirit. And trust him first. Then watch him give ideas on what to do and how to do it. Well, anyway, he prayed. Oh, God. And it was a good prayer. It really was a good prayer. Oh, God my, of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Oh, Lord, who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I, I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But, look at verse 12, he says it again, but you have said, I will prosper and make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. See, it was, it was a wonderful prayer. I mean, he was acknowledging God. He was humble before him. He was grateful for God's kindness. And, and, and now he even twice says, the promise, you promised me. Verse 13, it's like, okay, Jacob, you're so in the right, you're on the right track right now. And then it's like, he let that fear come back. He should have trusted. He should have trusted. He just he had just gotten so close to claim the promises of God. And he spent the night there, and from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. From what he had with him. 
did you look at, at the numbers of animals that probably were just a small portion of what he had with him? 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 lambs, 30 female camels when they're young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. He put them in the care of his servants, his herd by itself, and said to his servants, go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. He instructed the one in the lead, when my brother Esau meets you and asks, to whom do you belong and where, and where are you going and who owns all these animals in front of you, then you are to say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my Lord Esau, and he is coming behind us. He also instructed the second and the third and all the others who followed the herds, you are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, your servant Jacob is coming behind us. Look at for he thought is it's, it's him again. It's it's itself again. He he says, I will. You know, Jacob's thinking to himself, this, this ought to do it. I will pass him with these gifts. I am sending on ahead later when I see him. Perhaps then he will receive me. You know, I don't really think Jacob is boasting and wants to show off all what he has. I think he is literally terrified, and think he wants to assure Esau, who loves to be first in um, possessions, and I think he knows Esau enough to say, you know what, I want to reassure him, I'm not out to get anything from him. I don't need anything from him. This gift was strictly to butter him up, to soften him, to, you know, maybe Esau would say, oh, wow, this is going to be great. I can add this to what I have. And maybe Jacob's not so bad after all. And so, again, nowhere after he said amen to that prayer, he was off again in his own self. That's a good Lesson, isn't it? It's really something to think about how how we will pray and then take it back. Pray and say, Lord, you are in charge of this. I know that you've said this and you promised this, and, and you can say the words, and then and then when you have to deal with it again, you fall back thinking, well, I have to do something instead of just waiting and trusting the Lord. Those are words we have been seeing so much in the last weeks. God wants us to wait. His timing is perfect. It's not a waste of time for us to wait. He's making all things ready. 
minutes from now. This is what's happening. He is he is sending his things on the way. So verse 21, Jacob's gifts went on ahead, but he himself spent the night in the camp. Well, God just knows what to do. I mean, he, he I still say um, we have with God, we in a relationship with God, we have a two-stepper. Step one is when we get saved, when we know, like for us now, we go to the cross and we accept Jesus and and the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And that is securing our eternal life, salvation. But step two, and this is where so many miss the blessings of what step two is, and that's when you learn to put self aside, be be um, led by the spirit that was given you, and let the old be old, and let the new be new, and you, you start all over, basically, a whole new purpose, a whole new reason to live, a whole new worth, seeing yourself, who you are in Christ now. And so we have, we have this step two that God's got to deal with Jacob on. He's come, he's come this far, but he's still holding on tight to himself, to things, to control. He still wants control. Well, that night, Jacob got up, took his two wives. Oh, I meant to tell you, I think I misspoke last week. And the reason I did was from chapter 30, 30 verse 9. And, and I said Jacob had four wives, um, and he had Leah and Rachel, but, you know, Bilhah and Zilpah um, were the, the, his wives' maid servants that he, he um, had children with also. But I think I called them four wives because in verse 9 it says, when Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her maidservant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. So he, he still has only two wives, but she, you know, it's a nice way of saying I gave my maidservant to my husband to let him do what he's really only supposed to do with his wife. You know what I mean? So anyway, just wanted to clarify. So that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent for all his possessions. This had been a sight, don't you think? Trying to get them all crossed over. And so, anyway, he had them all over. And then Jacob was left alone. So he's all alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. 
when the man saw that he could not overpower him, I think that always gets confusing. Um, you know, I think, well, um, was Jacob so strong? And, I mean, we know he was wrestling with God. And, of course, it's silly to even go there to think Jacob was stronger. But when, when, when the wrestling came down to the point where the man saw he could not overpower him, I mean, it was like Jacob was so strong in himself. He was so self-reliant. He was so self-sufficient. He was just, he was so, he was so, in, he wanted to be so in control and he could not surrender And God will wrestle him and us until he wrestles all of our, our self-strength, our self-wisdom, our self-sufficiency. He wants to break us of that. So we will totally depend on him. You know, that old hymn writer really captured what God wants and where he wants us to finally be. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence daily live. And then another verse was, All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. When you get to that point where, I mean, those two little verses were, and yet they're little in size, but huge when it comes to a real change in your walk with him. When you give up control, when you say, Lord, I give myself to thee, I'm going to choose to put worldly things, my own control of everything aside. And I am saying to you, take me, Jesus. Take me now. Another verse is, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And you know, that is exactly what God wants for each and every one of us. See, step two is when you finally throw up your hands and lose your control and give it to him. And God will wrestle with us. Did you, did you ever go to a wrestling match? I mean, my, my brothers and, and our sons were wrestlers, but I went one time to one for a dear friend. I, I wanted to see him. And so I went to the match, and I am one and done with one of those because I think that's got to be the hardest sport. It looked like they were going to kill him. 
or kill each other. I mean, it was brutal in the moves and So I'm picturing this man who is the incarnate God himself, but I'm watching and picturing this, and he is wrestling with, with this, this man, Jacob, who just seems to think he is in charge, and he's got the ability, and he is, he's smart, and he, he, he can figure things out, and he's got all these possessions, and he's so self-sufficient. And when he will not let go, then it's like God says, all right, he knows just how long to, to wrestle. He knows just how long he's going to wrestle with us. See, he's waiting for us to just, okay, Lord, I throw up my hands. You win. You win all the time. He's waiting for us to finally acknowledge. But Jacob was not going to let go. And so what did God do? Okay, in one instance, there was the touch of that hip, and he was now a hurting man, and he couldn't do it anymore. How many times don't we say, God will do what he has to do to move us, to get us where he wants us to be? I mean, he, he will wrestle with us to try to get us to where we will just on our own surrender and recognize our need for him and that, that he's so much greater than us. But if we are stubborn, he will do what it takes. Do you, do you wonder if in this wrestling match that Jacob ever thought to himself, hey, I think I'm gaining on him. I think I might have this. And then in the next breath, I mean, he is laying there zapped, not being able to move. I mean, again, quite the picture you know, believe it or not. It really is a great place when God conquers us. I mean, you can believe that or not, but I'm telling you, it really is a good place when we finally let go and God conquers us. We serve a God who is greater than us. And we're not going to conquer much of anything until he conquers us. Let me, let me try to put it this way. I had a, a dear, dear friend, too, who, I mean, I've told you about my family, but I had a really dear friend who struggled with alcohol addiction. And... We, we were talking one day, and, and she came out and said, I, I would so much like to be rid of this. I wish I could get, get control of this. And all I could hear in her voice was, I got to do it. What can I do? You know, how can I fix this? And so I just said to her, I says, well, you know, 
how about if you and I would study God's word every Wednesday for an hour? If we had, I gave you an assignment and then we would go over it every Wednesday. She was a prominent woman. She was very busy in that. I didn't know how she would take it. And she said, yeah, yeah. I said, I think you will find that sometimes we are not bigger than the problem. The problem is bigger than us. And we do not have the capabilities of doing what needs to be done. So we need to get to know the one, the one and only who is bigger than the problem. I don't think she totally understood at the time, but we we started every Wednesday for an hour, and she did it. I bought her a beautiful Bible, and we were on our way, and she she did great. Her husband was thrilled, and and the, the longing for alcohol wasn't even there. I mean. God, when he says something, he means it. He will empower us. He will take over our weakness, and he will empower us to do what we think we can't. He can work that kind of power. So Paul said he, he can do immeasurably more than what we can ever imagine because his power is doing it, not us. And she was experiencing that. One week, I got a call from her and she says, I can't make it. Well, you know, things happen. I understand that. The next week, she called again and she said, I'm not going to make it. So I said, okay, but try to keep up with your um, lessons and third week, only three weeks, and her husband called me and said, oh, and now she is as far gone as I've ever seen her. She got out of that walk with the Lord. She again assumed she was doing fine. I, I don't need to take the time to study and to, to, to go over there and, and, and work with Linnell for an hour. I got this. In three short weeks, she was back farther than she'd ever been. See, God really wants to conquer us, and as hard as that wrestling match can be, he knows what he's doing and why. We come to the place where we know he is bigger than us. Think, think of me. Jacob did get to that point when he, when the man was saw he could not overpower him. In verse twenty-five, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched, and he wrestled with the man as he wrestled. Then the man said, "Let me go, for it is daybreak." But Jacob replied, "I will not let you go unless you bless me." At first you think, well, <laughs> that's 
kind of bossy. I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I don't think it was bossy. I think it was a moment that Jacob realized, whoa, I just wrestled with someone far greater than myself. And he knew. He knew who he was. The man asked Jacob, what is your name? He answered, Jacob. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. I am pretty sure that when Jacob said to that man, I will not let you go until you bless me. That was a critical statement in Jacob's life. And the man realized then, Jacob gets it. He knows I am greater than he is. He has got to lose control of himself to me and surrender it to me. His name was changed. Oh, I love that. I can't hear that enough, how at salvation and then at surrender, how we get a new name, a name that represents who God is and not ourself. So then Jacob said, please tell me your name. But the man replied, why do you ask my name? Then he asked him there, why, why are you asking me my name? You know who I am. And look at verse 30. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God's face, I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. See, Jacob, he knew, he knew who this man was. And then the sun rose above him, and he passed Peniel, and as he passed Peniel, he was limping because of his hip. Sometimes God gives us these ailments to keep us reminded of his place in our life and how easy it is to switch the place. And we then start taking control. And then our ailment or our thorn or something will continuously remind us Stop that. Stop that right now. Never take God out of his proper place in your life thinking you know better. So therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. 
We need these little reminders as humans. Otherwise, self just takes over. Now, it makes perfect sense before we go into the next chapter. The timing of all this. Because Jacob wasn't going to be able to overcome Esau or all of his maneuvering and manipulation and whatever until he was delivered from his own self-will and his own self-reliance. He had to be broken first so that he would go humbly with the right frame of mind, the right attitude, with his new name, his new place in, in God's plan, in God's plan, not his. In, he had surrendered to God's plan. I wrote this down. I just couldn't help it. When you battle God, and we all do, because we love to wrestle him, thinking that we can either change his mind or get him to come our way or whatever. We fight him, but he will, he'll let us go just so long, and then he will do something to us where when we're battling with him. The only way we really win is by losing. You might start wrestling by thinking, I'm going to win this, I'm going to get my way, and I'm going to convince God I'm right here. And, and believe it or not, the only way we really truly win is when we lose, when we lose ourselves. You know, one of the best things that happened to Jacob was when God blessed him. What did that really mean when God blesses Jacob here? And that, I, I really, with all my heart, am convinced is when God gave him that new name. God gave Jacob and you and me, we, get, we now have a, a choice. He, he gave us a new name. We have a new life. We have a new future. We, that new name changes everything. So now in, in chapter 33, Jacob looked up and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children. Now, this, I'm thinking, oh, Jacob. You know, it, it, that's the one thing about our walk with the Lord. I mean, it, it's so... So remember, we've been saying how life goes up and down, and, and it, it's just life. But our walk with God's got to remain consistent through good times and bad times. We can't, we can't let our spiritual life go in the same up and down motion as life. Human life and our spiritual life should not be moving on the, in the same way. 
life, we have total, we have no control over it, and we have ups and downs. But our spiritual life, we do have control over because we can stay because He's given us every tool we need to keep our walk with Him steady. So here, we, you know, you can't help but see that. Jacob started that fear again, and he thought, he started, oh, how can I do this? How can it work? Here's 400 men coming at me. And he, put, he started dividing the children and his wives and the maidservants. And oh, what, what really hurt, I thought, was the way he did it according to his love for them. He put the maid servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. Pretty obvious. He himself went on ahead, bowed down to the ground, and seven times as he approached his brother. So he went on ahead, bowed down seven times, but Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck, kissed him, and they wept. And his first question, it, Esau's first question to Jacob was, who are all these with you? I, I remember the first meeting after Genesis 27, when, when he held a grudge and he was going to kill him. And now, and he doesn't even bring that up. They don't talk about it. They don't rehash. Past is past. Wouldn't you just love that? That's, it's so easy, isn't it, to bring up past things and then it starts everything over again. Oh, can my goal is to, as, as he is walking me to become more and more like him, I want this part so much is when he forgives, when God forgives, he remembers the sin no more. And you let the past be past. It's been forgiven and, and let it go. Don't keep bringing it up. And here I thought, Esau, he, he didn't even say anything. Jacob, he didn't, he, he didn't talk about it. They left it. So Esau said, who are, all, who are all these? And Jacob answered, they are the children God has graciously given your servant. Then the maidservants and their children approached and bowed down. Next, Leah and her children came bowed down. Last of all came Joseph and Rachel, and they too bowed down. Esau asked, what do you mean by all these droves I met? Remember, he had sent all those animals ahead. So he said, what did what, you do that for? What, what was the purpose of that? And Jacob was honest to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. 
No, please, Jacob, if I found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me, for to see your face is like seeing the face of God now that you have received me favorably. Like, whoo. I'm just so thankful that you that you will that you will let me come and see you and that we can maybe mend some fences and please accept the present that was brought to you. Present. See, it's a it's a gift. It's not trying to buy you. I think here we have Jacob really humble and I'm not trying to buy you. I know you have enough, but this is my way of saying I'm sorry. Please accept the present that was brought to you for God has been gracious to me and I have all I need And because Jacob insisted, I think Esau could see he accepted it. Then Esau said, let us be on our way. I'll accompany you. In other words, you're, you know, we're going the same direction. We'll do it together. And ooh, it sounds so good, doesn't it? But... Oh, here we go. Whenever you see that, I mean, I'm thinking, oh, this is so good. They're they're going together, the two boys, the, the two brothers. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are tender and I must care for the ewes and the cows that are nursing their young. And if they are driven hard just one day, all the animals will die. So let my Lord go on ahead of his servant. And while I move along slowly at the pace of the droves before me and that of the children until I come to my Lord in Seir. I mean, it seemed logical, you know. And so Esau said, well, then let me leave some of my men with you to help you. I mean, Esau is is just really saying, you know, hey, let's come together, let's do it together, or then, okay, if I if you want to go slower, then I'll leave some of my men here. And but why do that, Jacob? Asked, just let me find favor in the eyes of my Lord. So two big excuses of he still doesn't trust him. He's still, he's, it's like, it's like Jacob forgot his new name. And we saw the old Jacob with fear and, and trying to do it himself and figure it out and, and come up even, these are lies, really. We say excuses, Remember what an excuse is. It's basically a nice way of saying you don't want to do it that way. But anyway, he comes up with these excuses. So that day Esau started on his way back to Seir. You know, but Jacob led him to believe, okay, we're coming, but it's going to be slower, but we'll see you there. We'll meet you. Verse 17, but he wasn't going. He knew, he knew he wasn't going. He let him, he led Esau to believe what he knew he wasn't going to do. Man, that's not good. That's just plain not good. But 
look how quick. We've been given, you've been given, I've been given, we've been given new names. We have a whole new purpose, and yet so quick we fall back to our old ways and our old name. And Well, Jacob went to Sukkoth where he built a place for himself and made shelters for his livestock. Now, that is why the place is called Zukath. You know, can I just say this? You cannot be a Jacob and an Israel at the same time. I mean, you can't, you can't be both. You can't have old and new self. You can't be both. When old self is, is in charge, then this is what you better expect. You better expect behavior and, and uh, self-everything coming out of you. When it's all about you, and you, and you all of a sudden you, you can sense all those tendencies, fear and panic and, and, and hopelessness and, and disappointment and woe is me and, and self-pity and all those things. When you, when you are walking by your old name, don't be surprised when you start acting like your old self. You cannot have both. But when you are wearing your new name and you follow suit with what that new name represents and you see what happens to you when you're living out your new name, what a contrast. So, he's back to Jacob. Did you notice that? I mean, he was given a new name, Israel, and now it's Jacob, however, went to Sukkoth. Now, I know he's heading in the right direction. He's heading toward the promised land. But he stopped one day short. So he did not, he did not complete the obedience. See, Genesis 31, 13, let me just read that. And maybe, maybe you'll take it differently. But in the 13th verse of chapter 31, it's kind of like God. This is what God said to him. Um, I am the God of Bethel, where you appointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Leave this land at once and go back to your native land. This is when he was telling Jacob to go back. Leave Laban and go back. And so to me, it was saying, go back to Bethel. Now, I looked it up on maps in that, and he was like 30 miles short of full obedience, and he stopped. He stopped in Sukkoth, and then he made a shelter for his livestock. He built a place. 
so it sounded like to me he is going to stay in that area while after he came from Adon Aran, he arrived safely at the city of Shechem in Canaan and camped within sight of the city. Now, dangerous. Kind of reminds me of Lot. He, 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 he's outside of the city, but yet near the city. And then look for a hundred pieces of silver he bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, the plot of ground where he pitched his tent. So he is not quite where he needs to be. And let me tell you, he's going to pay. He is going to by not being in the right place and being influenced by this kind of environment. He should never have stayed in this area this long, and you'll see next week. Oh, what what name are you living by today? I mean, I would go by sometimes minute. What what name is coming out of me today? Is it my old name or is it my new name? Because it's going to show. And yeah, I, I know what it says there. He set up an altar. He called it El Eloi Israel. I know that, that that was good. That was a good move, Jacob. But complete obedience is still better. Remember when God says, I would rather have obedience than sacrifice. It's so easy to say, well, I'll just read my Bible all day today, even though I know that I did that wrong deed or I said that wrong thing and I know I've got to take care of it, but how about if I just I'll forget that and I'll just read my Bible all day? When you know full well God wants you to do what you need to do, and you know, we can be so close and yet we still try to play with it. And, and yes, this is what Jacob was. He, he still wanted his cake and eat it too. And you cannot live by both names. And we will see in this next lesson something to think about. It was great meeting with you today. Heavenly Father, Tough lessons, yes, they are, but they do help us see our own self and how pitiful we fall into those traps of self. So I pray that we will wake up, that these examples, even these mistakes from these people will show us that we, we do the same. And because you love us, because you have a plan in our lives, you are willing to work with us, but sometimes... Oh, we wrestle with you. But one of these days, we're going to learn that you are so much greater, and we are so grateful. We pray this in our Savior's name. 
Amen.